This week we are discussing the upcoming Real Madrid Paris Saint-Germain game. Real lost its certitudes? Well, we have none. So it's going to be hard to predict what is going to happen in Bernabeu, but what we can do is assess what type of team Real is, how they play, and what we can expect of them. Then we'll focus on Paris Saint-Germain, discuss tactics, lineup, we'll even try to predict the score. This is PSG Talking. Hello everyone, uh, this is a somewhat special episode of the podcast, all about the upcoming uh, Real Madrid PSG game. It's going to be um, the team that is versus the team that want to be, the reigning champions versus the challengers, the first team to win two Champions League back-to-back versus a team that reached the semis of the Champions League only once, and that was about 23 years ago. It's going to be BBC versus MCN. I mean, I could go on like this for a while, but I won't. Um... This um, this matchup between Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain is, I mean, it, it looks like, it sounds like, almost like a final. But it's only a, a round of 16. Because Paris Saint-Germain has the specialty to draw top teams in a round of 16. Um, besides, you know, we had Valencia and Bayern Leverkusen in 2012 and 2013. Chelsea in 2014. Chelsea in 2015. Barcelona in 2016. So here we are. Um, we have a team of three people, including myself. And amongst them, um, well, someone was probably the most relevant person to discuss a Paris Saint-Germain-Real Madrid uh, match. Uh, this is Ryan, see, from the very famous French podcast Culture PSG. Ryan is the tactical expert in that podcast. He's a Real Madrid fan who also happens to watch pretty much all of Paris Saint-Germain's games. Unlike some people from some English-speaking podcast about Paris Saint-Germain, he does watch games. Um, so we are, we are thrilled to have him with us again today. Ryan, welcome back. Thank you. Hello, Guillaume, and hello to everybody. Also with us, one of our uh, usual suspects, Kose. Hey, Kose. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Are you, uh, where are you? Are you in the US or in uh, Ecuador? Yes, I am currently in Missouri. Oh, you're in Missouri. Okay. So um, we're going to have a shorter podcast because it's all about one main issue. Uh, but we're going to try to make it fun. We'll, um, we're going to focus first on Madrid. And Ryan is going to explain to us what sort of team they are, or rather what sort of team they used to be. Um, how, how do they play? What's the, the main philosophy at Real Madrid? And uh, why, why were they able to win two Champions League back-to-back? And um, then he'll tell us what, what's going on now. Um, in 2018, well, 2017, 2018, so far, Madrid has been somewhat struggling. They're fourth in La Liga. They're 19 points behind Barcelona. One point just one point above uh, fifth place Villarreal. 
um, they, they're not firing on all cylinders. So Ryan will probably, probably knows what's going on and will, will, will tell us because we went a bit um, scratching our heads here. Um, then we'll talk about tactics. What tactics probably Madrid will adopt against uh, Paris Saint-Germain? Uh, are they going to do high pre- pressing with which players? And then we'll talk about Paris Saint-Germain. So, Ryan, um, Madrid, uh, can, mm-hmm. you, can you briefly, if you can, tell us what, what sort of team is this Real Madrid? Well, I mean, when Zidane took the team back in 2016 and um, replaced Benitez, he basically put all of his focus on trying to get um, some sort of solidity, you know, um, a team that is capable of, of defending well and then trying to provide uh, decent balls to the difference makers up front, which is which are Bale, Ronaldo and Benzema. And uh, for the, the year after the first success in Champions League, has been more or less the same idea. It's a team that is based on control, but also capable of counter-attacking. That showed that uh, that was probably the best team in terms of set pieces last last season too. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's not really a, um, a team that is only doing one thing. It's I mean, it's a complete team, I would say. Or it, at least it was a complete team until the two last months of uh, the past season when Pale um, was injured again. And then Zidane took the decision to change his main system. He left the 4-3-3 aside and he developed a 4-3-1-2 to make room for Isco because he was playing very well and also because he was being able to get bail for the last part of the season. So it kind of made sense to use the dynamic of Isco and try to implement it on the current team. I think it worked really well, but... For the current season, we can see that Real Madrid hasn't been able to develop under this system. Mainly, I would say, because um, the strikers are not involved in making the ball progress and in making the opposition team unbalanced. They have trouble um, being efficient and being beating um, opponent on one-on-one situation or basically making the kind of differences that you expect from a very good offensive footballer which is what you expect in Real Madrid but I mean if you look at the first six months of the season you could see several games um, against Tottenham against Barcelona against Villarreal where Madrid was playing well building from the back getting the ball together um, higher on the pitch but then was um, needed a lot of, of work of ball circulation to create a chance and then because of the bad dynamic of certain players and because the fact that the club also lost uh, certain ability to score goals by letting go Morata and Mariano and James, the, the team wasn't able to score. So to sum up, to summarize that, the team was focused on solidity, then the team evolved and progressed to show a multi-facet, um, I would say, um, Talent, being able to score from counter-attack, being able to score from uh, set pieces. Of course, the main set, the main strength of the team being using cross mainly. Right. But in the last six months and in this, the current season where we are most interested in, 
I would say that the system has been changed by Zidane because he wanted to give um, the 4-3-1-2 continuity but hasn't been able to develop, develop it and I would say reinforce it on the on the daily basis of the competition, you know, like punctually maybe it can work, but on, on um, to score to make the points in La Liga, to continue the evolution of the team, this system hasn't been hasn't proven to be efficient enough. So he's back in the four-three-three for two games now, and I think that this will be probably the main system against PSG. Yeah, um, they won uh, in Valencia in a 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the strange, game before that too. Strange game, because they didn't like really outplay Valencia that much, but they just scored. I mean, two penalties that helped. Uh, you were mentioning the game against Villarreal uh, mm-hmm. earlier in January. They lost at, at home, 1-0. They had 30 shots against Villarreal. I don't know how many on yeah. targets, I don't have the stats, but they had 30 shots against Villarreal. Uh, they also lost in the Copa del Rey um, against Leganes at home. Yep. They had Indeed. 44 crosses during that game. Mm-hmm. So clearly, clearly there's something going on up front. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But to come back um, to, to what you, you're saying, they're really a, a modular team. They don't have a main, um, like they don't, they're not a possession team. They're not a... Con- counter-attack team. They're not an ultra-defensive team. They're not a set-piece team. They're all of that at the same time. Is that, is that true? They're very, very adaptive and reactive. I mean, that was what was the team uh, last season. Yeah, you could say that about last season, but this season right. it's complicated to, to characterize the team as one thing because really we can say that Real Madrid is doing very good in any compartment this season. The team isn't really scoring much in set pieces. The team isn't really scoring goals in counter-attack when Bale isn't playing. Uh, the the cross the, the 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 game plan which consists of progressing and forcing the team back to their goal and making the ball progress from one side to cross and and score from that from those crosses isn't also pro- producing goals. So I mean conceptually this is a team that was doing all of these things last season, but in terms of uh, uh, execution this season, none of this is really being executed well. Kose, have you, um, have you watched enough of Real Madrid games to compare the way they were playing last season with this season? Or um, you, you, you would need more reviewing of the games to, to get a, an opinion? Uh, no, yeah, I mean, um, I usually try to check out uh, form and, and uh, results from, from the bigger teams around Europe. And I definitely watch more Barcelona than Real Madrid, but um, but I, I've watched enough to to understand how, how uh, like Ryan said, how the lack of form of the forwards of, of the team has really cost them this season. Mm. So it's is it really that, Ryan and, and Kose, it's... It comes down to the lack of, of form of the, the, the three up fronts. Um, I mean, it, it, it certainly there's other factors. But, um, yeah. Ryan, you, you were saying in a, in a few tweets that, you know, Ronaldo last season in, in 1v1, 1v2, 1v3s uh, was able to go through and, and often score. And perhaps he's not able to do this this season anymore. Yeah, there's there's a definitely an element of uh, of form and um, and you can also 
take into consideration the fact that because this team has won two UCL back to back, that may be um, um, uh, a small dropout in terms of not motivation, but maybe uh, intensity, uh, anger. Let's say anger because right. when you won this competition twice in a row, you are in and no territory. You're doing something that <clears throat> excuse me, you're doing something that no team ever did. So. It may be it may be not helping the issue, but I think the main trigger for this is the change of system. Going from the four three three to the four three one two basically changed the way the team was attacking, the way that the ball was progressing, and it um, put more weight on the two forwards because that's basically um, uh, one midfielder more. Because when Zidane played the four three one two, he played with Isco mm. instead of maybe Bale or Asensio. So in terms of control and ball circulation, Real Madrid is more equipped to make the opposition run, is more equipped to basically make the ball progress safely. But the presence in the last part of the pitch, the presence in the box is less important. And there's more weight on the strikers to make um, differences in one-on-one situation or two-on-two it's, I mean, it's it's more demanding for them, and it just happens that the, this change of system, the fact that it has become more demanding for them, um, isn't helped by the fact that Ronaldo is almost 33, Benzema yeah. is making less and less differences in one-on-one situation, and even when they have like even situation in the last six months, there has been very little demonstration that they could make a difference. So. That's why I was saying earlier that uh, the first six months of the season has shown that despite the change of system, Real Madrid needed to play very well and use the ball really well for a while to create good opportunities. And then what the opportunity was created, Ronaldo and Benzema for different reasons, but basically because they are not that good at making differences because from a physical point of view, they are not as good as before because... From a technical point of view, they may be not um, um, as um, prepared as they were last season. It's a whole, so, it's, it's a whole thing, yeah, physical, mental, it's technical. It's all one, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, I think so. But I would say that the, the trigger is the system, the way it, the, the things that the, the change of system has been demanding, demanding to the players. And then the fact that there's also an element of dynamic, you know, when one team isn't scoring goals the confidence starts to drop and the players start overthinking or maybe take one step more to try to score a goal. And obviously, when you're trying to play a marathon against Barcelona, and in, in this particular case, Barcelona with Messi, you start feeling pressure. And if you don't, if you are not capable of maintaining this, this pace, it's clear that the team enters... Um, a bad situation from a mental point of view. It's hard to focus. It's um, when you spend 45 minutes doing well and creating chance and not scoring, it starts affecting you. It starts changing maybe your focus on the second half, the way yeah. you run, the way you approach defensive um, situation. And then there's all the, this whole element of dynamic, you know, like once the things start going badly, if you insist and the things don't improve, it's going to go wrong again, 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 again. 
Ryan, you, you're talking to Paris Saint-Germain fans. We well, we are well aware of that <laughs> dynamic problem when things start to go wrong. Um, the the Classico on December 23rd was a very odd game. Indeed, the first half was impressive. They had uh, Madrid had a really solid first half, uh, missed a few chances, and like you said, Barca counter boom boom goal. And then um, yeah. they scored the last two goals in the last 15 minutes, I think. Um, that's yeah, that's precisely my point. You know, when you watch this first this Clasico, you can see that Madrid is creating problem and disactivating pressing, pressure from Barcelona. Barcelona is forced to play long balls. Madrid get the ball back, progress, yeah. get Barcelona close to their goal, but have an enormous amount of trouble to make differences and unbalance the opposition. The opposition in on the side or in, in the center because Benzema and Ronaldo really need a clear situation to to create something now. So ultimately, after the half, you can see that from a mental point of view, from a focus point of view, Real Madrid come back from the dressing room a little bit uh, out of the game because they know that they spent an entire half in a good situation with Barcelona back to their goal, with Barcelona giving the ball away more than one time and yet not being able to score and create that many good opportunities. And that creates the, the snowball effect I was mentioning before. So, yeah, it's 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 a clearly... Um, the, the the dynamic issue has clearly taken a, a big uh, space in the in the season of the team so far. Right. But so you mentioned a, a change of system. Was the change of system rather due to perhaps Zidane realizing that the dynamic, the impact of his of his uh, uh, three players up front was less impressive, less efficient, and he thought maybe Isco could could help give them the ball in 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 a better way, in a in a more efficient way, so they could score, and that that did not work out at the end, or or something else. You know, you you mentioning this the lack the the change of system kind of broke the dynamic, but perhaps Zidane realized that the dynamic was broken before and and decided to put Isco in and play with only two forwards. What 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 do you think happened? Well, I think uh, as because Zidane changed made this change for the first time last season, you know, uh, he made um, a small test against Osasuna. And he played 4-3-1-2 in the first, I think it was um, February or March maybe. And the result was um, a game where where Real Madrid had a great amount of control in the game and was clearly creating chances with combination in the center, with crosses from the the side. And the team was in the... um, was offering a good um, image in terms of creating opportunities and controlling the ball. And in the meantime, you could see that um, they needed a lot of effort, especially from Isco, to move from one side to the other to create superiority situation and to make the ball progress. So at this time, I think it was a test. And then when Bale was confirmed as a as a, a new injury with a new injury, and we knew that he, he couldn't really make Cardiff. And 100% fit, Zidane then took the chance because Isco had, had been playing fantastically for the for the entire season when he was starting, when he was coming from the bench. I mean, it was a situation where I think the coach said, okay, my 
best player, my best 11 player is out of the game. I'm going to make room for the, the next one and build around that. And I think that was also an element of dynamic. Ramajan was playing really well and Isco was playing really well. And for the two last part, the two last months of the competition, the 4-3-1-2 in terms of balance, I would say was not perfect, but was working because mm. the form of the player was really good. You could see that um, in Cardiff against Juventus, Real Madrid had a plan to defend, had a plan to press, but in the first half, they had trouble to control Juventus and to deal with the pressure from Juventus. And it's just after halftime when Zidane made some, made some changes with Cross playing central and Isco playing on the left that the team took back some control. So you could see that despite the fact that it was working, they it needed some work, you know. And mm. so I think that after winning a new Champions League, Zidanto, I'm going to continue with this system and I'm going to continue giving an, an important role to Isco because this is the natural, um, I would say, um, continuity of this team now, you know. Can't really go back to the 4-3-3 and give Isco... Um, back to the bench because he has proven that his form is excellent because he has proven that he's capable of um, taking a system on his shoulder and really help his team greatly. So I think he tried, but the first six months of the competition on the new season hasn't really showed that any, any good progress from a collective point of view with this system. And also, of course, as I mentioned before, there was also the demand of form from the strikers, the fact that we lost Kalici uh, on the bench. I mean, it's not it's not just one thing, but I think right. ultimately he changed this the system because Bale was out, and now I think he really he really needs Bale because Benzema and Ronaldo aren't making that that much differences. But Bale does. Bale is capable of running um, a great amount of, of space to counter attack. He's beating people in one on one. He's making differences with his crosses. He's scoring goals, and all of that is what Madrid is needing from their pair of strikers. So Zidane is basically going back to the system that gave him success in the first place because he needs to make uh, space for Bale because now, right now, Madrid really needs Bale. Um, so, so they are back in 4-3-3. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, don't think I don't know if Benzema is part of that three up front again. Um, it, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, because the t- when when uh, when Real Madrid play four three three, you know they create they create triangles on the both sides. On the left side you have Marcelo, Cross, and Ronaldo, and on the right side you have uh, Carvajal, Modric, and Bale. And because uh, Ronaldo and Bale are often playing that system close to the line to stretch the opposition. They need a central forward who is capable of playing back to the goal and receive direct balls from the defense or from Keylor Navas so he can then control and then offer a good pass to Bale and Ronaldo who are running from outside position, you know, they're taking pace. So it's it's very important in that system to have someone with the skill set of Benzema. And that's why I think Zidane has been trying to get him back on his feet despite the fact that his first six months have been quite poor in terms of in terms of form. So the last seven games of Real Madrid, if I'm correct, starting on December 23rd, they lost zero uh, three at home against Barca, odd game, and I think they were playing in a sort of four two two. 
They drew against Celta at Celta, 2-2. On January 10th, they uh, drew at home against Numancia, 2-2. On the 13th, they lost at home. First time Real Madrid uh, lost two games back-to-back at home. They lost uh, against Villa Villarreal. And then suddenly something may have changed. Um, they completely dismantled Deportivo 7-1 just 10 days ago. Um, then they lost at home again, but that, that, that was re- really Real Madrid B or C against Leganes. Um, and then uh, recently, a few, a few days ago, they won in Valencia, very important game because Valencia is still uh, above in La Liga above uh, Real Madrid, they won 1-4. Ryan, please tell me they didn't switch to 4-3-3 and started playing like they used to play again uh, last season. Were were they back to their normal setup against Deportivo and Valencia? And it worked? Yeah, but they Uh, definitely didn't play as well as last season because, of course... um, all of the bad things that have been generated by the by the dynamics going going in the wrong direction are, are still there. I mean, the confidence, the mistakes, the right. the bad, the, the the little mistakes from the defense, the players not always making the right runs. I mean, it's it's they just they are just just recovering recovering around the four three three and recovering the sensation and their their habits around that system. So. We have seen against Deportivo in Valencia that the team with this system, the players are clearly in a better structure and that structure and ultimately a good structure helping great players is always a good thing. But in terms of quality of play, in terms of uh, solidity, it's it's still way, way uh, um, apart from what we've seen last season. So I would say they're in the right direction. But in the meantime, it seems to me that it's kind of a short delay for Real Madrid to offer a very, um, I would say, a convincing image against PSG. It's going to be tough, even if they play really well, because they're they're just starting to play correctly again. Mm. They only have two games before... Mm -hmm. um, They're going to Levante and then receiving um, Real Sociedad. Yeah, we have uh, three games before Real. We're going to play at Lille. At, oh, um, yeah, only away games for Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, uh, five in a, I think that's a five run in a, in a row. Five, um, five in a row. Th- there's only four left. Lille mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, Sochaux uh, next Tuesday. Toulouse on uh, the Saturday, the, the 10th of February. And then Wednesday, February the 14th. Um, Ryan, so we have you for another few minutes. Deep down, how do you feel? I mean, you've watched pretty much all Paris Saint-Germain games. Um, we're clearly more, more a threat this season, even if we're still unbalanced. And we, we're going to arrive in Madrid with two trucks full of question marks because we still don't exactly know what Paris Saint-Germain team is going to show up. How do, you, how do you feel about this um, amazing matchup? Well, I definitely think that uh, PSG has this quality up front that can make the tie go into that direction, even if they don't play um, in, I would say, a, a good game, because 
ultimately guys like Mbappe and Neymar and Cavani now we can, we can name him not in the same bracket but at least we can name him and say that he's, he should be a threat um, are producing an enormous amount of goal and I mean in the end of the day if you are efficient in the box of your opposite of your opposition in an away game you are in very very good position to win the tie so I think it's going to be even, but I think that PSG has definitely more quality up front to make the game more complicated for Real Madrid, where Real Madrid, I think, is going to need more of a collective effort to get something out of this um, out of this double game. Um, then, of course, there are the fact that the quality of the defensive line in PSG is... Um, Leaving question marks, not just for this season, but for the past two seasons. Guys like Kurzawa or Meunier haven't really showed that they are the quality, the necessary quality to play in the defensive line that pretends to win the Champions League. Um, Marquinhos is playing well, but he's still making some bad decisions. I mean, he's very young, it's normal. Kipembe is playing really well, but um, he also lacks the experience. I mean, it's and there's the goalkeeper situation too, so it's like PSG has an enormous amount of quality up front and they can win the tie, but in the meantime they have a lack of quality in defensive line that can also cost them the tie. So it's it's a bit hard to predict. From a collective point of view, I think that PSG is a team that can be not maybe not hundred percent controlled, but definitely uh forced to defend and um, I would say that Real Madrid can be this team because they have the ability to keep the ball, they have the ability to make the ball circulation um, uh, um, last long, you know, it's not just about making one or two passes but with the midfielders and the defensive line that Real Madrid has, they can make the ball go from one side to the other and make an enormous amount, uh, a big amount of pass before trying to create a chance and I think that for team like PSG who isn't very solid when it comes to defend uh, close to their box or even defending the sides because Mbappe and Neymar often uh, drop their position and are often are out of position to defend later. It can be complicated for them. So, I mean, for, for real, it's going to be even and there, there are flaws and there are qualities on both fronts. It's, it's very hard to make a, a, a prediction. Yeah, it is. It's it's very very open. Probably um, a lot more open this season than it would have been last season. But like you said, um, there's a lot of question marks on both uh, on in in both teams. But perhaps a little less questions in Madrid. I mean, they um, they seem to have all of their players sort of fit, so they will play with their A team. And at the end, it seems that it may be up to uh, how Ronaldo and, and, and Bell are going to perform because the rest of the team probably not as, is, is not playing as well as last season. But it's kind of close. I mean, you still see uh, the, the Real Madrid's fullbacks uh, delivering crosses after cross. And these guys are, are high quality. It's down to converting the chances. And, well, yeah. Ronaldo is a five-time winner of the Ballon d'Or, 
which means he probably uh, is used to raise um, his level of play in the big games. Mm-hmm. And, and stats show that he has. Um, has he been struggling in the Champions League too so far, Ryan? No, not really. And I think that's go. clearly you, you have to mention the fact that when it comes to the Champions League, because of what they have accomplished in the last four seasons, Real Madrid is, is going to enter the pitch in a very different um, state of mind that it, if it has been a, a Liga game or so a Copa del Rey game. Obviously, it's going to be also the same for for PSG. But what I mean by that is that there are flaws on both teams. And Real Madrid is probably going to rely on experience and um, um, on the ability from a mental point of view to understand the competition. Where on PSG, it's going to be more about, I think, the, the quality and the, the, the talent they have up front to make this tie working in that direction. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the two teams uh, interact around each other. But... I mean, it's 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 very open. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I said that Madrid is going to play with all of their starters. That's incorrect, actually. Uh, Carjaval is um, su- suspended. Suspended, correct? Yeah. yeah. So it should be Hakimi. There's no. No, no. I think it will be Nacho. Um, I think it will be Nacho playing, unless, of course, there's a, a need for him to play central. But I think it will be him. Um, what what type of player is Nacho? Um, he's a centre back. He's been he's been um, developed as a centre back in the academy, but he's um, not that tall. I mean, actually, he has more of the physical attributes of a fullback. He's quite agile, mm-hmm. uh, fast. I would say his tackling is decent, and he's been uh, I mean showing progress and, under, and better understanding of the high right back position, but. He, he's not like I mean he's not as as impressive from a physical and technical point of view as Carvajal. He's he's clearly in the technical mood of a centre back. So for PSG there may be an opportunity here with uh, with Neymar, of course. Well, I mean if he's very mobile and 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 quick, it doesn't sound necessarily like good news for Neymar. Uh, I mean it's not like yeah, but yeah, no, no, of course, but he's not like I mean. From from a, I mean from a one-on-one situation, yeah. But this in these games you rarely see one-on-one situation. What you can consider, what you should consider, is how they're going to interact from a co- to a collective uh, collective point of view. Like when they when Real Madrid is going to have the ball, if Nacho don't make the right runs, is going to offer Neymar more freedom to play high mm-hmm. and maybe collect the ball from uh, from deep and then progress and then push Real Madrid. You know, it's it's more like how the opponent uh, pressure pressure the other opponent when they have the ball, rather than the, the the direct interaction between the two players. Because in this type of games, there's rarely one-on-one situation. Even on the wings, you always have someone close, a midfielder, a centre back making cover, a left with a left back for Neymar. It's it's going to be more like two-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three situation. But from a collective point of view, Carvajal is someone who pushes very deep the opponent and is capable of forcing the left wing to defend. And if you don't do that, you can, I mean, you can concede very easily. Right. 
Well, for natural, it's going to be less natural to do that. And ultimately, this could give more freedom to Nima. And if Nima has more freedom to receive the ball higher on the pitch, this could turn on around Real Madrid, you know. So you think it's, it's a very important fact that Carvajal is not playing the first leg? I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's a key uh, key fact of the game, but that's uh, definitely important, yeah, because Neymar is the most important player of of uh, PSG, and of course, when from a Real Madrid point of view, you want to defend him uh, the best as you can. So before uh, before you go, let's focus a little bit on Paris Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. Coming to Bernabeu with tracks full of question marks. Um, we don't know if uh, Mota is going to be back. If Mota is not back, um, what do you think Emery is going to do? Is he going to try Diara? Is he going to try Lo Celso? Who's going to be who's going to be our six? I mean, it's a good question because we don't know yet. Um, we have the question mark over Mota. We don't know if he's going to come back um, soon enough. I mean, he's quite an, an advanced age. He doesn't have. Um, competition in his legs I mean he didn't really play lately uh, it's also a, a problem for Diara even if he's not like physically as declined as Mota and he's a player from a physical point of view who has much more developed attributes you, you can expect him to struggle because he hasn't been playing lately so he needs minutes to be to get into shape So it's hard to predict. I mean, I think this is going to be um, a more or less a last-minute call from, for Emery to yeah. make a decision because there's no obvious one at the moment. Even if he decided now that he wanted to play Rabio in front of the defense, the, the left midfielder isn't really a spot where I think he has a clear idea right now. I mean, Traxler could play there, Lo Celso could play there, but that's not... That's still open, I think. So it's going to be um, a decision that he wants that he will make um, close to the game. I think. Right. Okay. Well, Ryan, thanks again for uh, for your time and insights. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Guillaume, and I will carry on to listen to you guys. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Cosey, you here? Yes. All right. So, you know. I wanted to really give Ryan a chance to um, to give his insight. He's a um, he's a special guy. He's a um, he's a tactical genius. I love reading his um, or hearing what he's what he's got to say about tactics. And I thought it was a good idea to have him because you know he does watch every Paris Saint Germain game. He knows Paris Saint Germain in and out, but. Unfortunately, for some odd reason, at heart, he's a Real Madrid fan and he knows Real. In and out. So now, you and I are going to cover the Paris Saint-Germain side of the, of the matchup. First of all, let's talk about feelings and guts. Um, how, do you, how do you see this game? How do you feel it? How do you sense it? Are you, how do you feel about it? Uh, I feel kind of nervous, honestly. Um, I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck. Already I'm a wreck. Yes. It's two weeks It's in two weeks. I'm a wreck. Yeah, it really, it really is um, dawning upon us, and I think that uh, PSG does come with a little bit of a uh, favorite tag on them, just because of uh, all of the new signings and the form and uh, 
all of the flashiness surrounding the club lately. So I do think that in the eyes of the media and uh, in some part of the fans too, a PSG does come with that uh, somewhat of the favorite uh, tag in this matchup. But uh, the truth is that Real Madrid is Real Madrid. They're a fabulous team with a tremendous uh, uh, squad and brilliant players that, as, as uh, Ryan said, will be up to the task, will know what they are facing and uh, have a lot more experience in that competition. So it is, just that as, uh, as, as Ryan said before, it is going to be really, really close. And I do think that uh, PSG, when they have that uh, favorite uh, card, when they have that, uh, they, all of the odds to go through um, are, are kind of experts at blowing it away. So, so let's, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. It's um, it's it's a hard feeling to have um, to be not sure of anything. There's no, there's still no certainty at Paris Saint Germain after all of these years. We still don't know exactly what team, what sort of team we are. Again, perhaps. Yet, again, the main questions lay in the midfield. We heard that before, season after season after season. Because of Mota's injuries, because of the lack of form of the other midfield players, because of Verity injuries, um, we come to the critical games with our key elements in the midfield, either on the bench or in the hospital or out of form. Um, this time, even if we still do not have... Well, actually, we do now. <laughs> We do have a six. His name is Lassana Diara. He's not a real pure six, but um, among all the midfield players, he's probably the most experienced in that Sentinel uh, uh, role. But is he going to play? We don't know. Is Mota going to play? We don't know. If Mota doesn't play, who's going to be the Sentinel? We don't know. Is, who's going to be the left midfielder? Is he going to be Lo Celso? Draxler? Is he going to be Rabio? Maybe Rabio is... I mean, it's... The only thing we know, and I'm not going to knock on wood, is a right midfielder. If he's not injured, it will be Marco Verratti. A midfield against Real Madrid is a big deal. Kose, I mean, I understand... Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks on both, in both teams and all. But not knowing until the last minute what your midfield is going to be, how, how, do you, how do you prepare a game like this? How do you come to uh, Santiago Bernabeu with uh, the, the correct mindset, with confidence, when you don't know which team is going to be? Yeah, and, um, I mean, I think for me, one of the one of the most pending issues with this uh, midfield problem we're facing is that none of the choices are really good, to be honest. I mean, yeah. um, it, even our first, first uh, quote-unquote, even our first choice, Thiago Mota, I do not feel confident with him starting in the midfield against uh, the, the, the Real Madrid in the, in the Santiago Bernabeu. So Why? If, uh, I just feel like he... He's not the player that he used to be. He's just uh, more of a liability at this point. He has been injured. He hasn't been getting any competition. And for me, that's the... I mean, Malta for me shouldn't even have started at the beginning of the season. Even now, worse. 
that he hasn't even played. I'm from, I was terrified when I heard that they were going to renew his contract. I mean, for me, the sooner he leaves, the better. Mm. Um, but, but still, that's still our, our number one choice. Then you have Azira, who just came from, from Arab football. He hasn't played in, in a very long time either. Uh, and then you have our makeshift number six, Los Celso. So I don't really see any of, the, any of our options as, a, as the ideal choice. What would be your choice? I would go, I would go, uh, I'd like to say Los Celso, but um, he was kind of overrun in the game against Lyon. So I think I would go with Yara. You would go with Yara? Yeah. Hmm. I would try to get I would try to get some minutes in him. Uh at least try to let him start one of the games we have before the, the tie and uh and, and go with him. And and, and maybe uh, try to try to uh I think that, that if if Rabio starts, if uh if Arati starts, which is uh, most probably what will happen. I think he should be able to get enough of a uh, of a support so that he can uh, try to not be so much of a weak spot in the midfield. So you'd go with uh, Diara, Rabio, Verratti in midfield. Yes. Who do you see as uh, as fullbacks? Uh, I would. Game? I feel very uh, very confident having uh, Yuri as a starting a left back. Oh wow. Um. For me, he has been. I, I've never, I've never, uh, I've never seen a, ba a bad game <laughs> from Yuri. I mean, no, I'm sure not a, I have. Not a, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, he, there's sometimes where his where his brilliantness hasn't hasn't been. Uh, I mean, he's definitely not not as flashy as a player as Kurzawa, and uh, does not have the same uh, technique abilities, definitely. But I think he is uh, a very hardworking player, and I think that against a team like Madrid, who has this fighting mentality, this uh, we-go-until-the-end mentality. I think that uh, Yuri, who does know them, who has played against them, will be the better choice at left-back. And at, and, and at right-back, uh, I mean, either choice for me is fine. Dani Alves is a legend. He's a, a, a fabulous player. Uh, and we know the, the, the defensive lackings that, that he presents, but... Uh, So does Munir. I mean, he, he wasn't even a right back at first. Um, so I, I, but I think both are, are, are fabulous players, so I would be comfortable with any of the two. How about um, in the goals? Who do who you, uh, you go with? And, and, and that's, a, that's a strong question, I think, because, um, I mean, Trapp has been having some very good performances uh, of late in the Cup. Um, While Ariola, in the other hand, I think has he had been a, uh, he no, had a good game against, against Rennes. Uh, yeah, exactly, ago. exactly, exactly. And uh, I think that Ariola, on the other hand, has been kind of letting his form slip up. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I could see why Trap would be picked, but just for the sake of continuity, I would still go with Ariola. Yeah, remember Trap in Barcelona last season? Exactly. Oh my God! But it's, yeah, exactly it's, my point. <laughs> it's it's a it's a tough one. Um, So Mbappé started the, the, the season with Paris Saint-Germain on, on cloud nine. Unbelievable few games. I mean, we could not believe it. And then, you know, he hasn't had a really amazing performance in a while. And, uh, well, his last, um, his last display of form, his last match uh, was close to catastrophic. 
He even got a red. He lost it. He did not uh, do anything very interesting when he was on the pitch. And then we have Di Maria, who's back to his prime. He's been quite remarkable so far this season. Um, obviously, competition seems to, to get the best of him when he's got to compete for his spot. Would you still start the game with, uh, with Mbappé on the right and Di Maria on the bench? Or would you put uh, Di Maria on and Mbappé on the bench? Uh, I can see I can see how this uh, would be a hard choice, and I can and I also could see why Emery would go with Di Maria because, like you said, uh, he's been terrific for us uh, in the, this last uh, run of games. I think he he's I think he's only had like one bad game uh, against uh, Lyon, I think it was, or I don't even know. Like he just he just had one game, one bad game. Yeah, like, yeah, all, yeah. All it was, for us. Yeah, it was against Lyon. He was a bit transparent. Yes, but but otherwise he's been a fabulous player. So I wouldn't mind uh, to see him starting. But I do think that Mbappe has more of this uh, a mysterious element to him. He can uh, pull something out of nothing uh, with his speed and and uh, his uh, his work ethic. So I do. I I mean I I think it's more unbalancing for the opponent to have Mbappe. I would I would start Mbappe first, but. I don't think it's such a bad idea to start in Maria either. I would keep Mbappé on the bench um, because, oh. yeah, because imagine you, you have that, that option coming from the bench. Uh, imagine Di Maria coming from the bench and, and we, we need something to happen on the pitch. We're behind. We're not delivering. Di Maria comes in. Uh, the impact... Of him coming in, mediocre. Now, Di Maria has been on the pitch, has been somewhat delivering, is running out of steam. Mbappe comes in. Imagine the impact for, for Real Madrid players and fans. He's coming with a huge hype. I think it'd be, um, it'd be a good ace for Emery to, uh, to have um, Mbappe on the bench as a, as a major option. So let's do let's do our uh, ideal lineup. Go ahead. Uh, what's your s overall starting eleven against? Uh, I would go with our regular four three three. Um, Ariola starting on goal. Uh, Dani Alves uh, paired up with uh, Thiago Silva and Marquinhos for central defense, and um, Yuri as left back. Mm -hmm. uh, Lasana Diara as number six, uh, Verratti as our right midfielder, and uh, Rabio as the left midfielder. And my top three would be Mbappe uh, in the right, Cavani in the middle, and Neymar in the left. I, I'm going to give you mine, uh, which is not that different. I think I will. I will also start with Areola, um, left back. For two reasons, I'm going to pick Kurzawa. One, because um, I know Emery's has not um, put Yuri in big games so far. So he has no certainty with him. He's never, he's never tried him. And one thing we know, Emery is a prudent, very, very prudent coach. So I don't think he's going to go with Yuri. Um, he's going to go with Kozawa because he knows what he's getting with him. 
And also because Car- Car- I cannot say his name. Please help me. Carjaval, Car- Carvajal. Yeah, Carvajal. <laughs> Car- Carvajal is suspended. And so uh, Ryan thinks Nacho is going to play, not uh, Hakimi. And um, uh, what- Sorry, sorry to just barge in one second, which I thought actually was uh, a pretty, I, I mean, that's a pretty makeshift solution in my opinion, because I, I mean, I see Nacho uh, being a left back, but I don't know if he could really perform as a right back. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, they have a, they have Hakimi with a 20 year old brilliant player, but same thing. He's kind of, Unproved in the higher stages of the Champions League. So uh, that's a big problem for Madrid. One thing Kurzawa knows how to do is get up front. And uh, besides his um, questionable defensive abilities, his abysmal football IQ. Let's remember when Cavani scored in Barcelona during this dreadful, 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 dreadful game. He scored this incredible goal. Who gave them the assist on the header? Kurzawa. Kurzawa can do these things. In big games, we've seen him completely mess up. He messed up, in, um, I'm sorry, in Barcelona with this, oh my God, his own goal was something else. But then, but then he bounced back and gave this assist to Cavani. We've seen him score amazing goals or do the right cross at the right time. And we know that defensively, he's, he is questionable. But in big games, he can, if he somehow stops being an idiot. But long story short, I think um, Emery is going to pick Kurzawa, and I would too. Yuri, um, Yuri is good coming from the bench. Let's say Kurzawa is, is melting away. Well, bye-bye Kozawa, Yuri comes in. And now we have a, a better defensive left-back. We know Yuri can do this. Hopefully he does not mentally melt down and, and then we have, <laughs> we have no left-back. But I would, start, <laughs> I would start with Kozawa. On the right, Alves, of course, um, for his experience. He's not the best defender, but he's pretty decent when he's on. And we know he's going to come prepare for the game. Prepare mentally, prepare physically. Uh, he's a huge um, figure in the, in the locker room. He's Danny Alves. I mean, he's, you know, and he's played a few games in Bernabeu, hasn't he? Now the midfield. So we are going to see on Saturday what's going on with Thiago Mota. There's uh, three games before the Real game. He needs to at least play two of these three. Ideally, he would start, if he's fit, against Lille or come, come in uh, during the game. Maybe same thing against Sochaux and then a full game uh, maybe with Toulouse. Or, you know, he's going he's gonna to need to play out of these three games at, at least one full 90 minutes game or close to 90 minutes. If he can't, then there's no way. You can't, there's no way you can have him as our sentinel. If he can, then I, will, I would pick Mota before anyone else for this particular position. Why? Because, <laughs> because we are not the team we were last season. You can't, I mean, you can, of course, but you, you, you should not do a high pressure, a constant high pressure with this Paris Saint-Germain. 
If you do, it's suicidal. At one point, with your high uh, intensity pressure on on our uh, defense and, and midfield, you're going to get caught, and there's going to be a counterattack. And, and that counterattack is going to start 50 meters away from your goal. And three seconds later, you'll be one goal down because it's Neymar, it's Mbappé, and it's Cavani. You're dead. Even if you're Real Madrid, and they're not a high-pressure team, they're more of a possession team. When there's no high pressure on our midfield, constant, then it's a game for Thiago Mota. He's, a, he's a, an amazing passer of the ball. He's the only player we have who can break lines with his passing. The right pass to the right person at the right angle at the right time. And this, this is how you start the whole attacking phase. And that's Thiago Mota thing. If he's not under pressure, he's going to be able to play his game. If he's able to play his game and he has Verratti next to him, okay, now we're in business. Now we have a midfield that can supply the three up front and eventually f- do the right pass at the right time. If he's under pressure, then it is societal for us. But um, the Lyon game, I think, um, may be a good hint uh, for how Madrid will play against Paris Saint-Germain. Lyon had a very interesting um, way of defending. They had high pressure sometimes. Then they would wait for us in midfield, like a bit like um, Bayern Munich uh, did. Then they would, they would wait for the right opportunity to do a very, very aggressive high pressure for like a few seconds. Uh, some few a few phases, very smart way. I think Madrid is going to do something like this, pressuring only during uh, uh, short sequences and then saving energy that way. And I think that's something Mota can cope with rather than constant, constant, constant pressure. And again, if Mota is fit and able to play, I think we should, uh, we should start with Mota. If we cannot have Mota... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you because um, we, we can't let Los Celso be our, our six. I think Rabiot should be our left back. Um, Rabiot could be our six, you know what I'm saying? But then, then who's going to be our... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I said left back. I meant, I meant uh, left midfielder. Yeah. Draxler? No. Los Celso, Los Celso is, 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 is getting better and better, but he's unproven at that level. Yeah, and it, it'll really be a loss uh, to to uh, take Rabiot out of that spot. I think so because um, a game comes to mind, and that was the Real Madrid Barcelona game on uh, December twenty third last last year, where uh, we saw um, Barcelona basically walk through Real Madrid midfield twice. Um, what what's his name? I think it's Rakitic who grabs the ball and runs it through Real's midfield, carries the ball, gives it to Suarez, and I forgot exactly how the first goal happened, but that's what, it all started with uh, Rakitic, and he did it a couple of times. So that's, that's what Rabiot does well, too. And uh, Rabiot is a, is a very powerful midfielder now, 
And having play as his position, which is re- really a left relayer, that's what he does the best, would be a good asset. So um, if Mota can play Mota, if he can't, Diawa, then we have Verratti and, um, and Rabiot. And up front, uh, I would start with Di Maria on the right and Mbappé on the bench. Because um, psychologically, you know, let's say it's 1-0 Real Madrid or even 2-0 Real Madrid at the 60th. Emery uh, swapped Di Maria for Mbappé. Imagine the atmosphere in the stadium. Everybody knows what Kylian Mbappé can do. And um, something about Mbappé is incredible mental ability. He's been dreaming about this game for uh, forever. When he was, um, I'm sure when he was a kid, you know, in his bedroom at night, thinking, playing at Bernabeu, either with or against Real Madrid, coming in. This is, um, this is what he wants to do, and he's going to be given the possibility to do so. And this kid is a, is a special, special player, of course, technically and, and physically, but mentally, I think he has, um, he has something special. And he may be the X factor for Paris Saint-Germain, even, even more than, um, than Neymar to a certain extent. And I think coming from the bench would uh, optimize his, uh, his mental edge and, and make, maybe make him the difference between a great result in Madrid or, or not. All right. Um, I think we covered and answered um, most of the, the questions on RPSG. Most Redditors ask questions about our midfield. A few questions about Di Maria. Uh, nobody really discussed the, the goalkeeper situation. Uh, we we, we kind of did, though. Um, anything, anything else you want to add about this upcoming huge matchup? Go say. Uh, well, I just wanted to um, to uh, uh, pose a question uh, for what um, for what you said earlier about uh, the advantage that playing Thiago Malta in a game where uh, theoretically he would not be pressed that would be an advantage, and I can I can definitely see that. Mm. But uh, what I was thinking about was how Ryan said that. Uh, Real Madrid could, in uh, in in a certain case, try to approach the game with a uh, the the uh, possession mindset and uh, to try to keep the ball and uh, and uh, make the ball progress, like he said. And I was thinking that maybe it could be dangerous to let Thiago Mota uh, marshal a midfield that is going to have to chase the ball, especially at his old age. Um. Yeah, but you know, he, he, he knows that. He knows he's not very dynamic. So he's going to stay in his zone and he's going to let Rabio and Verratti. Uh, Rabio is amazing at interceptions. And he's going he's gonna to cover his zone. He knows he's not going to run around like, like a headless chicken. He's too intelligent for that. So he's going to somewhat do his job, chase a little bit, but he's going to stay in his very actual central zone around his central defense. And then he will, you know, when, when the ball, when a Madrid player comes around, then he will do his thing. But he's not going to chase around. Um, also, one thing that I've seen in, in our midfield improve a lot is um, a player, 
automatically covering for another player. When, yes. uh, when Rabiot goes box to box, there's a better system now, whether it's Lo Celso, Draxler, whoever else playing to cover his ass. Verratti also has, um, has improved in his positioning. They, um, they, it, it's, it's becoming a system. So, so I'm, I'm, if Mota is fit... I think he's the right guy for this game. And also, um, it's been a while now, but remember that 1-0 defeat at Bernabeu a few seasons ago. I think it is still our best game in the Champions League. And that's a game we lost on a stupid, stupid mistake. But we... Um, oh, my God, we played such a beautiful game. And Mota... Mota gave a, a football lesson to that Madrid team back then. So I, I still think he's, he's the right guy. Um, Kose, do you think we can, we can try to predict a score? Um, I should we? Should we? Should we? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say PSG takes it 2-1. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm not going to be bold, <laughs> and I'm going to say two 0 for Real Madrid. Oh, yep. Um, I think I think um, Ronaldo always shows up. Always shows up. Um, I mean, uh, we we still look like the perfect victims. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, well, you know, we we've been struggling. My team has been struggling, and we used to be the kings, and now we are challenged. And um, here comes Paris Saint Germain, perfect opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to, yes, to yes. rise and shine again and win a third Champions League in a row. And so, you know, it's um, I'm being uh, I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst because I'm a Paris Saint Germain fan. Exactly, uh, and I mean, I definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from, and uh, I can definitely uh, see the two, the two zero scoreline happening. I just, I just, uh, I just think that it is time for PSG to start looking to win every game more than just go through. So, I think but, that should be the uh, the approach. But it's a two legged game. And uh, and I don't know. I kind of like my own story, of course. Let's say we lose two no. Then uh, three weeks later, it's the second leg at Parc des Princes. Remontada in French is remonté. <laughs> Why can't we have our own remontada? Yeah, that's maybe true. this is what needs to happen to this team, especially now we have Diara. Diara is a is a pit bull. Lassana Diara is a player that we need, um, probably not on a technical standpoint. Physically, he's not that impressive, even if you know, he's got some defensive impact. No, I'm talking about mentally. To win the Champions League, you need a player like this. We do not have a player like this. He just joined. Um, I don't think he's going to have an immediate impact. Immediate would be you know, playing in Madrid. In the second leg, hmm, yeah, okay. So maybe we lose two 0 in Madrid, and we, we we need um, we we need to find our, our our true self, and have that magical, magical, magical game that we haven't had yet since um, 
Q, QSI, QIA, whoever they are, uh, bought, <laughs> the, bought the club. And um, a magical game in the higher stage of the Champions League where at the end we qualify. Um, maybe, maybe that's going to be um, what happens. It's really up in the air. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a story. What happens? Madrid scores early. It's that story. Paris Saint-Germain scores early. It's a different story. We, we, we come to halftime and it's no, no. That's a completely different game. It's completely up in the air. The game in Madrid and the return game in, in Parc des Princes three weeks later. All right. Anything else? Uh, not much, really. I agree. It's really up in the air. Uh, it, it should be exciting to, to see the build-up to these matches and uh, to then actually actually watch them uh, unravel and see what, what's going to happen in the end. I have like already a ball of tension and anxiety yeah. in my guts. Yeah. <laughs> It's growing. I was wondering uh, yesterday, what, what's, what's happening there? Oh, yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Another two weeks of that. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a tough one. All right. We're done. Good say thanks. Um, thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, everyone. Flippet style dès qu'ils ont l'occasion Flippet braille quand ils ont l'occasion Si c'est rien de s'accrocher grand pour gagner sans délai Menez le montant et porte de châtillon Les M6 nous châtillon Flippet style dès qu'ils ont l'occasion Flippet braille quand ils ont l'occasion Si c'est rien de s'accrocher grand pour gagner sans délai Menez le montant et porte de châtillon Les M6 nous châtillon